Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Good morning. Uh, don't worry too much about if the, your little one's talkative or him. They murmur. I teach grade seven and eight, so I'm used to a constant background noise, um, and that's fine. Uh, but I will say before I move on, thanks very much to those who put the packs and things together. Uh, we appreciate that as a church. We appreciate the children's ministry that you uh, do every week and in introducing the children to Jesus Christ. So thank you for that, and we're glad you get to have a weekend off. I want to begin with a, a story in April of 2000. Uh, in Japan, there in a small village, there was a car accident, and sadly, a man died in the accident. And when police came to examine the body, witnesses at the scene said they uh, recognised uh, the car, and though the injuries disfigured the actual person, they also recognised the dead man. He was a 60-year-old local uh, shipbuilder. The man's family was contacted and a brother-in-law was able to come out and to see the scene and he said, yeah, that's him, that's my brother-in-law. And so he took this tragic news back to his family, calls were made, the family gathered quickly uh, that very afternoon at the home of the widow. Uh, they were there immersed, as you can imagine, in mourning, weeping, sharing memories, making funeral plans. And then in the evening, the door opened and in walked the 60-year-old local shipbuilder, home from a hard day's work and wondering why all his relatives had come around to his place. Uh, it was not a resurrection, but it was a misidentification, which often leads to premature obituaries. The man at the crash was not the man they thought he was, and so the family jumped on the phone, called the police and told them to start their identification process all over again because the dead man had just walked in after a long day at work. I thought it would have been interesting being in that living room to see the change that came over the family when they realised that their loved one was not dead after all. From tears to smiles, from devastation to elation, from mourning to dancing, they must have felt like death had been defeated in their home. But of course, it hadn't been defeated, it had just been misplaced. And this family's joy meant some other family's sorrow. This morning, though, we do remember, we do remember that death has been defeated. I'm not here to talk about hope that we can have post-COVID or anything like that, which seems to be the theme of the Easter message in many churches. I want to talk about what is the essential message. And that is death has been defeated. And I want to look at Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. So if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. And I'm going to keep it a little short today because... Uh, of uh, our special service this morning. Let me read to you Mark 16, 1 take. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the, each of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from us from the entrance of the tomb? 
But when they looked up, they saw the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white, a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go, tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were so afraid. So these three women set out to anoint Jesus' body. We know that Jesus died only a couple of hours before the Sabbath, and so his body was quickly wrapped in linen cloth and put in a grave which belonged to a fellow named Joseph. And he actually purchased this grave site. It would have been his family's grave site but he donated it to Jesus. Quickly wrapped him in the tomb before the Sabbath came, wrapped him in linen cloth, put him in the tomb. But it's really important that when a Jewish person dies, that they go through the right burial rituals. And so these ladies knew that Jesus had only been wrapped in cloth, so they wanted to anoint his body and make sure that he goes through the right processes. But these ladies didn't arrive in anticipation. They arrived to take care of unfinished business. They had seen the tomb where Jesus' body was laid after he was taken down from the cross. They returned home, prepared spices and oils which to anoint Jesus' body to offset the odours of decomposition. And their work was delayed because of the Sabbath. So as soon as they could, following the Sabbath, early in the morning, while it was still dark, they met at their homes, left their homes, met together and went to the tomb of Jesus. The task they were going to perform is a very sombre task. You can imagine how difficult that would have been for them. They would be the ones who would wipe the blood away from Jesus' brow. They would be the ones that would wipe the blood away off his legs, the sides of his body. They would remove the blood that was matted in his hair, in his bed possibly. They would be the last ones to touch his face and close his eyes. And as they walked towards the tomb, thoughts and sights of the last week must have, must have ripped through their minds. They were there when Jesus rode in on a colt in Jerusalem before thousands shouting his praise. What an incredible moment that must have been to be part of that. But unfortunately, their minds and the events of last week didn't just stop there. Try as they might, they couldn't stop those other thoughts, those terrible scenes from playing over and over and over again in their minds. They had seen it all. They had seen Jesus, their teacher, their friend, their Lord. They had witnessed everything that Jesus went through. These women were at the cross where their hopes and their joy died on that cross with Jesus. I admire their devotion. I admire their courage. And the climate of Jerusalem deterioration would occur rapidly after two nights and a day shows intense devotion. But it's important that he has a proper burial. They loved him. It was the least they could do for him. And they weren't afraid of being identified with Jesus either. 
Their devotion was obvious. Their devotion was incredible. But listen, their devotion was without hope. It was hopeless. Wallowing in grief and despair, they had adoration for a dead Christ, a dead Messiah. I mean, what do we expect when we go to a funeral? What do we expect? We expect grief, we expect sorrow, we expect tears to be shed, final goodbyes as the body is laid into the ground or the curtain at the crematorium is closed. We expect people to be asking the most significant questions. You know, is this the end? Is that all there is? Do we just cease to exist? Is there anything beyond this? These three ladies had questions, but their primary concern was how do we get to the body of Jesus? Who's going to roll the stone away for us? They had seen the huge stone that had been rolled in front of Jesus' tomb after his death. And they knew it was too large for them to move it. The massive stone was relatively easy to put in place. Once it slipped into the groove of the bedrock that had been cut in just before the entrance, you just push it in. But it could only be removed with great difficulty. I don't know whether they had any confidence that the Roman soldiers who had been dispatched to guard the tomb were uh, going to help them in any way. However, when they get there, they arrive anticipating this dilemma and yet what they find is the stone rolled away. Now we need to remember again that no pit deeper than the death of Jesus, there was no pit deeper than the death of Jesus for these ladies. But God discloses the flip side of the good news or the flip side of the gospel message. He is risen just as he says he would. Someone once said, and I think it's absolutely true, Christianity begins where religion ends, with the miraculous announcement of the resurrection of Jesus. When they entered the inner burial chamber, there's no body there, rather this angelic figure, a young man clothed in white. And we know from the New Testament That colour symbolises meaning. White indicates a dazzling appearance. And upon seeing this angelic figure, Mark uses the words translated alarmed. It actually means when they see this figure, they are terrified. They are terrified. You seek the body of Jesus, says the angelic figure. Your devotion is commendable, but you are misguided seeking for him. Put your spices away, put your oils away, you will not be needing those. And Mark's gospel actually tells us, records that they left quickly and fled and that they trembled and were amazed. Matthew chapter 28 verse 8 captures a moment in a beautiful way. It says, and they departed quickly from the tomb with fear, but also with great joy and did run to bring his disciples word. Perhaps after a short time of absolute confusion and fear and bewilderment, captured in Mark's gospel, Matthew tells us they go on to share this wonderful news with Jesus' followers. This good news. The resurrection of Jesus teaches us that death is no longer the end. It is no longer the dead end. 
It is no longer something that one must face with dread and despair. Death is no longer the enemy of those who believe because it has been challenged, it has been conquered by the Lord Jesus. Because he lives and we live in him, we shall also live. And the Bible tells us that this new life is in the very presence of Jesus. The Bible speaks of a quality of life, of existence, in which this life pales into insignificance compared to what is to come when we put our hope in Jesus. I don't know if you've seen the movie The Passion of the Christ, but it seems to be a popular one at this time of the year. The best part of this movie is the last 30 seconds. The movie gives only the briefest glimpse of Jesus' resurrection, but in the Bible, it is the crucial event. It is the turning point of the lives of the first followers and the event that capitulated faith in Jesus beyond a small circle to the entire world. The passion of Christ, his death that we have spoken about, that we've heard about over the last few days, would have been without any merit if it had not been for the resurrection. For these three, what began as a long, grief-stricken journey to the tomb that morning was transformed into a new, living hope. A hope that is so eloquently captured by the Reverend Philip Brooks in his wonderful hymn. Let me read it to you. Tomb, thou shalt not hold him longer. Death is strong, but life is stronger. Stronger than the dark, the light. Stronger than the wrong, the right. Faith and hope triumph, say, Christ will rise on Easter day. While the patient earth lies waiting, till the morning shall be breaking, shuddering beneath the burden dread of her master cold and dead. Hark, she hears the angels say, Christ will rise on Easter day. And when sunrise smites the mountains, pouring light from heavenly fountains, then the earth blooms out to greet once again the blessed feet, and her countless voices say, Christ has risen on Easter day. Because of his resurrection, death for the Christian is a turning off the light because the dawn has come and true life is given. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wonderful message this morning of Jesus' resurrection. We thank you, Lord, that it takes away the fear of death. It takes away the sadness of death because we know in Christ there is much more to experience beyond this life. And we know that this came at a tremendous cost to you, that your life was given for us so that we may know you, be reconciled to God and enjoy that quality of life which is to come both here and in the future. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.